Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys and gals out to another live Q&A of yours truly, the first one of 2020. Hope you all are doing exceptionally well. Hope you all are having a great start to your 2020. And I hope the Lord's favor is still upon your life. I hope that there's still a hunger and thirst after his righteousness. And I pray um, that personal development is a part of your day-to-day um, executions. Hope y'all doing exceptionally well with all your um, goals for the year. And if you're watching this and, uh, for the first time, my name is Coach Josh, also known as uh, Joshua Ezzy. And my goal is to help you uh, grow spiritually or grow holistically for God's optimal use and to help you make sense of your life. So if there's something that after you watch the video, something you like, man, feel free to subscribe. And for those who's been rocking with me, who's, who subscribes, part of the Unplugged community here on YouTube, or if you listen on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify, I just want to say thank you all so much. The best way you can help this channel is to share, like, and uh, rate, Whether if you're on um, the listening podcast, um, help this channel get some more traction so we can reach more people for God's glory. So I'm going to go right into the chat box and see how everybody's doing. Um, and this is my live Q&A. So uh, my goal is to put out videos every day at noon and do random live Q&As. And so if you want to be a part of these random live Q&As and put your questions in, um, subscribe, hit the bell so you can get all post notifications because no man, no woman knows that when Coach Josh is going to do a live Q&A. So let me go to the chat box and see how everybody's doing. I'm not going to be on before you long. A coach got to go lift weights, then go to bed. All that good stuff. So I just want to make sure I, I serve you all. Uh, Daughter of the King, what's going on? Pink October, how you feeling? Uh, Mauricio, I know I'd be jacking your name up. What's up, coach? What's up, family? How you doing? Cameron, how you feeling? Uh, for those who's new, hey, the purpose thing on this course, man, is doing exceptionally well. Got 630-something people um, joined into the online community there. So if, if you want to understand more about your singleness, understand more about your life, or if you're in an unsure relationship, make sure you go to that course, lifework.teachable.com. Fifi, what's going on? Joshua's morning coach from South Africa. Thank you for watching from South Africa. Let me know where y'all watching from. Unique Tree. Hey, coach, what are the best tips? Oh, we already here. Hey, coach, what are the best tips for self-discipline? I'm on my journey and doing life work, but it's difficult. God be with me. Listen, discipline is difficult. It is. Um, discipline requires death. It requires you to die to yourself. It requires you to die to an area of yourself in order for you to mature and to grow. See, discipline is 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 a great uh, uh a uh, uh, system um, because when you're disciplined in the right things, you bear the most fruit. I rather eat the sweet fruit from discipline than the immediate fruit of procrastination or the immediate fruit of just drifting. Um, I'm telling you, the fruit is sweeter. Um, so the, the practical ways to help you with discipline is to make sure that you understand that don't try to chew the whole thing in one bite. Don't try to bite the whole thing in one bite. The goal is, is to have minor wins, miniature wins, achievable but stretchable wins um, where you're able to say, okay, yes, I want to be this. Yes, I want to have that. Yes, I want to become this. But you have to scale it all the way down to a doable goal, not a doable goal where you can do it and you don't gain anything, but a stretchable doable goal where you're able to say, you know what, that's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take some effort. But I know that the fruit of this is greater than what I'm doing now. So the best way to compare is the person you want to be and the person you are. There has to be a greater why. It has to be a greater why than who you're going to become or what you want to have. Your why has to be greater than that. Because if you want to attain a certain kind of body or a certain amount of financial status, that's self-seeking. But if you say, you know what, I need to be in shape because of 
of my son or my daughter or my husband or my wife, or I want to make sure that God gets the most out of me. The reason why I do what I do, because I really want God to get the optimal use out of me. I don't want to practice anything that's going to make uh, my purpose delayed or not as effective. So what are the best tips for self-discipline? It's to take a good hearted look at yourself and examine your desires and examine the reason why you desire uh, the things that you're desiring. And also realize that no matter what, you're disciplined at something. But most people discipline the wrong things. So you got to look at what you're disciplined at and really look at the fruit of your life. When you take a hard, close look at your life and you say, you know what? This life that I'm living right now is birthing nothing. You got to look yourself in the mirror and say, yo, you got to do better. We got to do better. And the best way to do better is to really be honest with yourself and say, you know what? This is who I want to become. This is what I want to have. Now, let me scale it all the way down to a dual but stretchable uh, um, uh, regiment where I can then reap the fruit. See, when you work out consistently, you'll feel the fruit of working out. When you uh, manage your money better, you'll see the fruit of money management. But most people don't get to that point of seeing fruit. And that's where um, the enemy comes in and, and destroys. So the tips that I want to give you is, is to realize and understand it is going to be difficult because you've been doing whatever you're doing as counterproductive to where you want to be in life for a long period of time. So whatever you try to implement now, your flesh is not going to want to. So what you have to do is what part of my flesh must die tonight and what part of my flesh must die every day and really look at the why. And then why has to be greater than who you become and what you want to have. It has to be greater because when you get there, you'll, you'll plateau there, but it has to be something greater. It has to be a calling, a purpose and saying, you know what? It will be difficult, but it's doable. And because it's doable, it's going to be delightful after I do it. So the best way to implement self-discipline is to determine what disciplines you need for destiny, destiny disciplines. Those who understand their purpose, understand what they have to do to ensure that that purpose thrives. So look at your life and say, you know what, what does, what, what is God calling me to be? And you and the Holy Spirit have a, 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 a creative session, a, a honest, a, a, a talk to talk conversation and perceive what things do you need to remove, destroy, and what new discipline you need to implement and really do it. When you find it the hardest to do it, that means you should do it your hardest. Hope to help. Notifications. Hey, man, notifications in the building. Thank y'all so much. Eileen Collins, what's going on? Ah, oh, there I go again. Messed up. Give me one second. Pink October says, how can I get rid of a connection with someone I'm not supposed to be with? You have to ask yourself, why am I still connected when I don't want to be connected? And when you answer that question, you realize that it's something deeper. When you are connected to something but don't want to, like an addiction, like a soul tie, then there's something deep rooted inside of you. And it's, and it's along the lines of insecurities or idolatry um, or or uh, pretty much those two things. Because when you look at your life and you say, OK, I'm attached to this person and I don't know why. Chances are it's because that person has what you you, you became connected to that person at a vulnerable period of your life. And that person was such a significant individual when you was trying to deal with your daddy issues or you still dealing with your mama issues or dealing with everything that happened to you during your formative years. When you get all the way down to the basement floor, you will begin to see, you know what? This is the reason why I'm still attached. It's because of what happened between me and my dad. It's what happened between me and my mom. It's what happened when I was seven or nine years old and I never dealt with that issue. And that person came in at the most vulnerable, most opportune time in my life. And now I got this strong bond to this person because that person came in when I was still trying to identify myself. 
You see what I'm saying? So the best way to get rid of a connection is to ask yourself, why am I connected? Not because of, oh, that's a human. I'm connected to that person. But go a little bit deeper into your heart and say, man, is it because I... I deal with self-hate. Is it because I don't like myself? Is it because of insecurities? It's because of inadequacies? Because when you deal with that, you will begin to see that person for who they really are. And it'd be easy to get over them because you're going to be like, I'm attached to you. I'm addicted to this. I'm attached to you. You can break attachments and break addictions when you acknowledge the deep-rooted issue that caused the attachment in the first place. So how do you get rid of a connection with someone I'm not supposed to be with? It's to have something in front of you every day that you can get your hands on that tells you why you shouldn't be with that person. Sometimes we use our emotions more than we use our common sense. We use our emotions more than we, we, we are very great at emotions, but very bad at logic, very great at emotions, but very poor and cognitive skills. When you have cognitive ability and you work your brain and you train your brain and you allow your mind to be active, especially the mind of Christ, you'll begin to see, obviously, this is no point in my life. And then you'll begin to move on with it. So write on a sheet of paper why you shouldn't be with that person. Put it in a place where you can get your hands onto it as a as a 70 times seven type of deal. Um but but most importantly, look at your heart and ask yourself, why am I so connected to this person? Is it because of something deeper? And the best way to cut somebody off is to cut them off. That means uh, remove them off your phone, change their name to do not pick up. He's no good for you. Um, change their, you know, blo- uh, uh, mute them on social media because I don't want you looking crazy out there. You're blocking people and then that person tries to contact you. Anyway, don't block them. Just mute them. Mute the notifications. Mute them. And and really begin to start the mind renewal process of why you shouldn't be with that person. It boils down to the Holy Spirit and being honest with him saying, yo, man. Why am I touching this person? He'll show you the depths of your heart and you'll be like, oh, that's why I need to let him go. And you'll let him go. Hope to help. Good evening. Hope you're doing well. Gay Lewis. Hey, what's going on? How to determine which season you're in? It's easy. Uh, I don't want to say it like that, but you can know what season you're in based upon the signs. Signs tells you seasons. When the leaves fall, you know it's fall. When there's no leaves on a tree, you know it's winter. You know, When there's budding happening, you know it's spring. And when you see fruit coming on the tree, you know it's summer. Signs is the temperatures are in the 60s and 70s is fall. Temperatures in the 20s and 30s is winter. Depends on where you live. Spring is nice and cool, but there's a little hint of sun on you. Great. Summer is hot. Signs tells you seasons. Um, the best way to be aware of signs is to clear your sight. And you clear your sight by, by, by renewing your mind. You renew your mind by being honest with the Holy Spirit in areas where you know you're you're lacking. And so the simplest way I can put it is, is when things are falling apart in your life, you know it's fall. When life goes from, wow, I thought I was green. I thought I was prosperous. I thought everything was going well. And then you start seeing stripping happen. That's pruning phase. That's fall. That's when everything begins to fall off of you. The winter is when you bare naked and you're looking at yourself in the mirror like, yo, this is really who I am. I am humbled, humbled. I'm in a season where I don't like myself. I don't like, no, no, let me change that. I don't like who I am and I see the great I am and he's showing me who I need to be. That's when it's winter. Winter is the most pivotal point in your life. Fall is the most difficult season. That's when pruning happens. That's when things are stripped away and you're confused. But when you have nothing but God and you like, man, my friends are gone, my family tripping, everything's removed. Now, you know, you're in a winter phase and God's looking at you like, yo, what's up? Me and you now, everybody else forsook you. But who's here? A friend that's the closer than a brother. 
That's when you and God get very close. And when you and God get very close, God then begins to trust you to start budding. He begins to start trusting or you begin as you engage with God and you a branch connected to the vine, you begin to actually show some fruit of spiritual maturity. People think fruit is cars, money, clothes, opportunities. No, fruit is better character. Fruit is you're more loving, you're more patient, you're more kind, you're more gentle, you have a little bit more self-control. That's budding. Summer is when you're reaping from the fruit of your new renewed character. <clears throat> That's when you are a little bit more trusting with God and God is 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 really getting you into purpose, really getting you to a place of execution, but your heart is in the right posture. Fall, everything's falling apart and you're frustrated like, man, what's going on? Life was just great a minute ago. Now, two minutes later, I feel like everybody's leaving. <clears throat> Winter is when it's just nothing but you and God and the ground is being purified. That's what's most important about winter. Cold weather purifies the soil and it preps the soil. Then God begins to reveal the seed that he planted in you. You begin to bud. You begin to recognize the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. You're like, man, I'm more loving. I'm more kind. I have more self-control. You begin to recognize those different things. And then summer is when you are in a level of peak or approaching peak spiritual maturity where God is really getting you into purpose and you're thriving and you're, 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 you're elevating and you're growing and you're making things happen. Unfortunately, most people don't. No, nah, I'm not going to say most people. A lot of believers don't make it to summer because a lot of people still mad at God and fall in winter. Your cooperation in the process will determine what's processed out of you and what you produce. Processed out of you means I need to go through this printing phase to process some bad traits, bad habits out of my life. But also in that process, I produce more fruit. The Bible says he prunes the branch so that it bears more fruit. So when you feel the Lord chastening you, feel things tripping in your life, you're going through fall. Winter, you and God getting very close. Spring, you start budding and growing in spiritual maturity. You start seeing your character in full display, the Christ character. And then next thing you know, summer, <clears throat> executing. Um, but if if you're more in a simplistic kind of way as far as athletics versus agriculture, you know for a fact you in your off season when it ain't time to play. And that's when you prepare because how you perform in your postseason is predicated how you how you practice in your off season. And so that's just my two agriculture and athletic terminologies or analogies that kind of helps you understand about where you are in life. The beautiful thing about life is trust God in every stage. Trust God in every stage, man, and you'll see just how much you grow in life. Great question. <clears throat> hey, Candy Girl, how you feeling? Lizzie Lewis says, how to handle family members putting me on YouTube without my permission? Now they are mad at me for checking them. I have a right to my privacy. How do I handle future family functions? Um, um, first off, you tell them uh, with all due respect, one more time, communicate. Make sure the communication is very clear. This is this is what I do not like for you guys to do. I don't want that. If they still do that, don't go to the functions. See, my thing is, <clears throat> the Bible says he didn't come... Um, but he came to be a sword, bringing mother against daughter, son against father. He came to be a sword by 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 default, following Christ and having standards cuts you from people. And 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 uh, and then it's sometimes people don't learn until you're serious about what you say. And people don't think you're serious about what you say until you stop showing up. Yeah, you love your family. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be around anybody, family, friend or foe or faith fellowship person. If they don't respect my boundaries and if you don't respect my boundaries, then you won't see me for Christmas. You won't see me for Thanksgiving or when I start seeing phones coming out, I'm out the door. 
It's that simple. So it's okay. You once you get older, you begin to see just how uh, family's great, but family's not shouldn't be more than God, and not, shouldn't be more than your self care. <clears throat> and if they don't honor that, then you don't dishonor them, but you just don't honor them with your presence, and that's okay. Um, ha- but have one clear conversation with them. Sit them down and like, look, I really don't like this. If you love me, you will keep my commitment. I'm joking. If you love me. You won't put me on YouTube. I don't want that. And then if they still do it, that shows they don't care about you. And why be around people who don't care about you? Sometimes family <clears throat> and friends, people who find new fond um, activities or put you on camera just because they're self-seeking. They want to get their channel popping. They want to get their Instagram popping. So they'll just disrespect you <clears throat> to elevate themselves. So that's when you say, you know what? You don't care about me. I don't care who it is. I don't want to be around anybody who don't see my, who don't have my best interest in mind. I don't want to be around somebody who have their self interest in mind about me. And so you limit your, you limit your connection. You keep it moving, and you, you and God, you keep pushing. Um, if they want to cook, you go there for the food, grab the food, and when it's time for the cameras, you bounce. But have the conversation with them first. Make sure it's clear, and your actions tell you everything you need to do. That's my advice for you. Uh, Jaretta, what's going on? Joette Crisp, what's going on? What's up? How y'all feeling? Shatara, Shatara Smith, I finally caught a live. Welcome. Glad to have you. Raw Scab says, hey, coach, hope you're doing well. I'm doing exceptionally well. Thank you so much. What do I do when I feel distant and cold from God? Good question. <clears throat> Distance and cold. The good thing about God, he's a present help in a time of trouble. You're never far from God. As the Bible says in him that we live, move, and have our being, the distance is not in proximity. The distance is in perspective. The distance is not in proximity. The distance in, is in perspective, how you perceive or perception. There we go. So God is always there. You're not far from him. Your mind is far from him. The Bible says these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He didn't say their lives, not their lives. He didn't say their body is far from me. He said their hearts are far from me. So you just got to examine your heart and be like, okay, what in my heart is placed above God? Because that's the one that guided you away from him. That's the thing that guided you away from God. And when you have the honest conversation about those secretive habits or secretive thought processes, you'll begin to see, yo, man, these things never really... Um, uh, honored their uh, side of the deal. They never looked out for me. They always put me in a condescending condemnation place in my mind. They put me in addictions. So when you really have that honest conversation, like, yo, these, 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 these things I placed above God has not helped me. It may have helped me temporarily, but I still feel empty. You see what I'm saying? I still feel messed up on the inside. And so when you understand that God's a present help in a time of trouble and a present help that he's on standby, that he's there for you, then you can repent. Repentance is a gift. Say, God, listen, I don't want to live this way. See, remorse comes from relationship and remorse leads to repentance. When you have a relationship with God, like I have a relationship with my wife. I feel bad if I heard there's a remorse. There's like, oh man, but if you don't have remorse, that means you have no relationship. If you have no remorse, there's no need to repent. If you don't have a relationship, there's no, no desire to renew your mind. Anytime my wife comes to me about something, I want to renew my mind in that area because I want to serve her. That's what the Bible tells me to do. That's what my heart wants to do, right? So if the, the goal is to rekindle that relationship. And any relationship is, um, all relationships are rekindled through communication, through a conversation. So I would just sit there and talk to God like, God, here am I, man. 
I love you, God, but this life is difficult. And God understands. He knows life is difficult. But then God look at you and be like, you know, this, this and that is in your heart that's drifting you away from me mentally. I'm here. You're in my presence. You're in my, I'm in your life. <clears throat> but these things are destroying your life. You see what I'm saying? Uh, and so when you've gone cold towards God, that means you allowed your fire to go out. And that means you didn't put no logs in the fire. Logs in the fire is spiritual disciplines. If you want spiritual fervor, if you want spiritual intimacy, if you want to go deeper into things of God, you got to put logs in. That's why I tell people there's two types of uh people or believers. They're the shallow ones and those that they're they're the shallow swimmers and the deep divers, scuba divers, right? The shallow swimmers and the scuba divers. Follow me. Based upon what you want out of this spiritual life will determine how many logs you put in the fire. If you just want to be a coaster, <clears throat> a shallow swimmer, a person that just goes through the Christian motions, then you're not going to expect nothing out of yourself. That's what anybody. <clears throat> oh, I'm just saying, I just want to go to church. You just caught up in the rituals. You're not caught in relationships. See, I want to get to a place where I walk down hospital doors and people get out of their sick beds. I want to go and raise people from the dead. I want to see the lives change. I want to see yokes destroyed. I want to see people delivered from demonic spirits. I want to cast out devils. That's what I want out of my life. Jesus said, greater works you would do. So everything boils down to works. <clears throat> When, don't, when I say works, don't confuse it to works for love or works for God. We're, we're talking about what do you want to do for God? If you want to do great things for God, then you have to do spiritual discipline. If you want to be a great basketball player, if you want to be a great artist, if you want to be a great singer, if you want to be a great rapper, if you want to be a great leader, you got to do some every day. I guarantee you that basketball players who are elite pick up a basketball every day. Football players who are elite touch a football every day. Elite painters paint every day. Elite singers sing every day. So if you want to be an elite, effective Christian, you got to do Christian disciplines every day. It's crazy how many people look at, at, uh, at Christianity or whatever and like, I don't really got to do nothing. Don't get me wrong. God has done everything, but there are certain things that we got to do to determine what kind of fruit we bear and the level of fervor, the level of fire, fire we work in. The level of consecration is based upon your level of concentration. If I want to become more consecrated, consecrated means more set apart. Yeah, we set apart daughters and sons. But if I want to go a deeper level <clears throat> to become more effective, where I'm able to, uh, um, to whom much is given, much is required. Even the Bible said, Jesus said, uh, some things don't come out, come out but by prayer and fasting. See, these are spiritual disciplines to whom much is given, much is required required disciplines. Um, uh, 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 what else did I say? To whom much is given, much required. What's the other one? Um, um, some things don't come out, but by prayer and fasting. See what I'm saying? So God, Jesus saying, cool, bet. Thanks for joining the club. Thanks for, we welcome you, but what do you want to do for us? And so when you get into your frame of mind, like, this is what I want to do for God. I want to do great things for God. I want to be elite, efficient, effective for God. I just don't want to enjoy God. I want to be effective for his glory. You see what I'm saying? We Anyone who has parents, anyone, I work at elementary school. There's, there's two types of kids in my school. Kids I can trust to get the thing, job done. Kids I can't trust to get the job done. 
I love them all equally, but I don't trust them all equally. When I have when anyone parent who have kids who have more than one, you know what kid is more responsible than the other. And you don't think God thinks like that too? Yeah, I love y'all all equally, but I can't trust y'all all equally. And so I'm going to go to this person who's going to get the job done. And I ain't going to waste my time with you because you ain't going to want to get nothing done. So the best way um, to get close to God is to have a conversation and be honest with yourself. Have a conversation with God, have a conversation with yourself and keep it moving. If you want to become hot and fire for God, ask God, what do you expect from me? What do you see from me doing? I'm your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see what I'm saying? So what are the works that you want me to do for you? Because the, the level of effectiveness you want out of your life will determine what you do disciplinedly in your life. And that's the logs you put in your spiritual fire to keep you spiritually ablazed. Hope that helps. Ryan Newberry says, why does my ex keep reaching out to me? She missed you. Are you Ryan? I don't know if you're a lady or a gentleman. Ryan is one of those names that go both ways. Why does my ex keep reaching out to me? It's so hard to not catch feelings again, talking to her. Okay, you're a guy. Could God want me to get back with her? I feel strongly about her still. You feel strongly about her because of a soul tie potentially. Um, sometimes uh, when a person is an ex, you got to let them stay in that category until you completely heal because right now your judgment's clouded. Because you have more history with her than you do history without her. We're talking about from the day you met going forward. So if y'all just broke up recently, you probably had more days with her in a relationship than you do without her. And no, never go off of feelings. Go off of faith-filled facts. Okay? So when you go by feelings, you'll be like, I have strong feelings. And we many people think because I have strong feelings, that's a strong impression from God. No, that's just strong feelings. And if you really investigate and put your feelings on trial, you'll begin to see the facts behind them and realize, yeah, that's idolatry. Yes, that's insecurity. Yeah, that's soul tie. You'll begin to see the facts. And the facts within, like the Bible says, the truth will set you free. When you find the truth behind your feelings, then you'll be set free from the the fangs of those feelings. You see what I'm saying? Because you're always going to have strong feelings for someone that you genuinely cared about. But you have to ask yourself, am I ready to receive her? And what I mean by that is some people leave you, break up with you, they go out there and try to find something else. They begin because you were too nice, because you was too good to her or whatever. Well, I'm just I'm making up a story because I don't know y'all's story. I don't know the nuances. But ch- chances are when people get bored with you, whether it's your fault or her fault uh, or their fault, they leave. They leave to try to find uh, better fruit and a better pasture. And so what happens is most people sit on the fence of their life looking at the other girl enjoying her life in the green pasture because she thought that grass was green over there. And then when she realized that's artificial turf, then she want to come back to your grass because she you know your grass is, is, is original, is organic. And so what happens when they come back, they begin to try to pull you back into uh, their self-seeking world. And, and, and six months, 12 months, is not a long time for a lot of people to genuinely heal from relationship, let alone grow into spiritual maturity to be able to recognize their own faults and give the Holy Spirit time to renew their mind to be able to effectively mind you, right? So 
first evaluate your strong feelings. Like, why do I have strong feelings for her? Why do I? And you begin to put your feelings on trial and begin to find the facts behind those feelings. And the facts is the truth. And the truth will set you free. And you'll be like, you know what? I'm freed from the pressures of having to accept her back. Because first of all, I know I'm not completely healed from the situation. Number two, I know for a fact, I'm not really ready for relationship because I'm still nursing the wounds from the injury from the previous relationship. And now you need more time with you and God. Anytime you break up with somebody, you need to break your knees, bend your knees, I mean, and go and say, God, hey, heal me, help me, and, and, and have me do the work that you have for me to do. Why does my ex keep reaching out? Because she probably found that the grass wasn't green over there. So she want to come and, and plant a flower in your garden. Um, is it, it, It's so hard to not catch feelings again. You don't, you don't want to catch anything. You, uh, catching anything, you catch sicknesses. Feeling, when you catch feelings, uh, you should grow feelings from facts. You shouldn't catch feelings. Catching feelings means I got caught off guard and bam, I got feelings. No, <clears throat> maturity says, you know what? Before I allow my natural feelings to, to attach to you, I'm going to process my life. I'm going to seek God because I do not want to set myself up to catch feelings because feelings will cloud your judgment. And then when you see a red flag, you will ignore the red flag. And when you see the flag get bigger, you turn your head from the red flag. And all of a sudden, now you're disappointed and that person left you. Now you're depressed. And now your identity is lost in that person. And then you're on Instagram looking at their life because your life is still in their life versus God refurbished this life, renewed this mind so I can move on about my life. Could God want me to get back with her? Ask him. I doubt it. Um, at this moment, who am I? I'm not God. But what I'm saying is some things are obvious. It's just the feelings are in the way. Process the feelings, find the facts, and move on. Eliza Mims, thank you for watching from Durham. <clears throat> Dallas, Texas in the house. EJ from Dallas. Oh, two people from Dallas. Look at that. Hey, coach from Norway. Thank you for watching from Norway. Thank you so much, Elsa. Jensen, thank you. Sugar Mama, what's going on? <laughs> uh, Patricia Pender, what's going on? Oh, you saying amen. One fork at a time. That's right. What are the stages of a man's pursuit? Mm. Amber, that's a good question. What are the stages of a man's pursuit? Does he observe you from afar first before approaching? Let me tell you how a man of God should pursue a woman. This is twofold. This will help ladies understand that this man has been pursuing you based from God. And this will also help uh, men to understand how they should pursue a woman. First off, before a woman is even open to be pursued, she has to examine her value. She must know her value. She must appreciate her value and her values in God. Your position determines your price. Your position determines your price. When a man knows that he's a son of God, that elevates him to a priceless state. When a woman recognizes her position as a daughter of God, it puts her at a priceless state in her mind. Whether your mind whether your mind knows it or not, or whether your mind agrees with it or not, you are priceless in the eyes of God. When you welcome that position, you're not easily moved because who is greater than God? There's not a man on this earth. There's not a woman on this earth. There's not a potential wife or potential husband that's greater than God. So when you know that God is the greatest, you're not easily moved by good. Good may come. A good man may come. Even a great man may come. A good woman may cross your path. Even a great one may cross your path. But because you with the greatest, you're not easily moved. 
That's the foundation for both women and men. So when a woman knows her position, it doesn't matter if a good man or a great man comes before her, she's not easily moved because she knows who the greatest is. And she don't want to, she don't want to leave that because sometimes when you leave greatness to entertain good, you lose sight on who you are. Then all of a sudden you start dissing yourself from the greatness of God and who he is. And then you get lost in creating this individual as an idol in your life. And then you sabotage, you messed up. And so the stages of both sides are this. Let's start with the woman. Now I'll talk to the men. Women, know your position so that you won't easily, so you won't be easily moved. Secondly, um, well, secondly, you have to examine where you are in life. Examination, self-examination is a lost art. Some people, we rather look out than look in. In order to look out, you have to look in. You have to look in so you can better... So you have a better chance of looking out clearly. You have to examine where you are. Am I even ready? Am I am I even in a place of spiritual maturity? Am I able to uh, 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 be a wife? Do I even know what a, being a wife is? And you can't you can't measure wifehood based upon what you saw growing up in your neighborhood, growing up in your household. You got to examine wifehood from the Bible. You got to examine. You got to. You got to allow wifehood to be birthing you through the help of the Holy Ghost. Only the Holy Spirit can make you a wife. Only the Holy Spirit can make him a husband. And so when you examine your life, you'll be able to say, well, this man's pursuing me, but I'm not in the right place. I don't feel like I'm ready yet. Then you will be able to cancel that man's pursuit. Those are the two things I have for women. Now, when a man is approaching, fellas, listen to me close, ladies, you can chime, you can tune in as well. The stages of a man of God pursuing a woman starts with stage number one. He ain't looking for you. He ain't looking for you. Um, you know you're ready. You know, you know she's the one when it catches you off guard. It comes into she comes into your world. And what I mean by your world, I'm not talking about we're talking about she comes into your level of not your level of focus. But but God brings her in, right? Always get the analogy of a hunter. Men are hunters. That's how that's who we are. That's why I don't advise women pursue a man because God created in us that nature to initiate leaders, initiate leaders start, not 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 women. You see what I'm saying? Um, but when a man understands, he knows, okay, I'ma sit here by this tree. I'ma sit here in this presence, this environment. And when you look at hunters. A hunter doesn't run around with his gun chasing after a deer. No, no, no. The hunter finds a spot and he sits and he's still, which means he's rested. He's not restless. He's still because he knows I'm in the right spot. No matter how long God has me sitting here, I know at the right time, Bambi going to come. I know at the right time, Brandy going to come. I know at the right time, Brittany going to come. You see what I'm saying? And so what the hunter does is he sits there and he sits still. And then as the, as the deer panteth, as a deer comes in and comes within his space, then he's able to pursue. But what most men do, they go look. And the Bible says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. They think that a man has to go out there and find a woman. No, no. You find your wife along the way. As you go down your way, who are you is the question to your way. Who are you? As you begin to go down that way, the narrow way, and you're pursuing God, a wife will come along that way. Now, how does a man of God pursue? Number one, he is not looking for you. Number two, the second stage is, is a supernatural awareness. I remember the day my wife came into my Bible study. 
I was doing Unplug at the time, downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, uh, my wife's friend brought her to my Bible study. As soon as she walked in, I can't, I can explain it now because hindsight's 2020. But at that moment, I looked at her, something, something, it was just something special about her. I was, I was preaching. It was in the midst of me delivering my message. It was in the midst of me doing what I was doing. She came in, I, she had a tank top on and a flowy, uh, uh, beige, uh, uh, dress, hair pulled back. You see what I'm saying? No, hair was in two ponytails. Two ponytails, she came in and I stuttered in my message and I blamed it on the devil. I was like, oh, oh the devil, you know, let me, let me, let's, let's, let's pray again. I prayed again. From that moment, at that moment, I didn't really know. I was just like, man, she's just uh, very attractive, but there was something about her. Time proved she was the one. When you're not looking for, a man ain't going to be looking for you. Then when the, when it's time for God to begin the stage, there will be a supernatural awareness. You remember the color of the carpet. You remember where you are. You remember what that person wore. Because when you know God, you know his presence. You know, when you know God, you know his signaling. When you know God, you know when there's something special on someone, whether it's someone to do business with, whether it's someone to do ministry with, whether it's someone to do life with. The, the reason why people can't recognize what God has when they don't know God. When you know God, you begin to recognize the things of God, and it will have a certain it will have a certain glow about it, it have a certain presence about it, and then that man takes that takes that before God. Now I made mistakes. I'm just teaching you what I didn't. I, I remember when I asked her for a number for the first time after my Bible says she told me no. And when she told me no, I sat in that church. I sat in that church for about two hours, and I was like, wow, she told me no. But life proved otherwise. But what I'm saying is, is that a, the stages of a man pursues this. He's not looking for you. Number two, God will open up a certain type of spiritual awareness. Number three, he'll take that to God. He'll take that to God and say, okay, God, who is this? Because there's something about her that's special. Then that man is going to say, you know what? I'm not even going to go after him. What most men did, like I did wrong. As soon as I felt something special, I tried to go for it. Nah. What you, need, what you should do is let it happen. Okay, God, I'm going to put this on the shelf. I'm going to let you guide me into this. A man is not going to approach you stage four without the character of God. Because the one God has for you is not going to have you do anything that's against God. He's not going to try to have sex with you. He's not going to try to lure you for his weaknesses. He's not going to try to manipulate you. He's not going to try to use his position against you. That man of God is going to exhibit the character of God. That's why, ladies, you have to get to know the character of God so you'll know what type of character you need to have in the man that God has for you. Right. Because when you know the character of God, you know that he'll be gentle. He'll be kind. He'll he'll be he'll be straightforward. He'll be a leader. He'll be a man that who, who honors his word. He'll be a man who cares about things of God, because if you don't care about the things of God, he won't care for you. Stages of a man pursuing you. Number one, he ain't looking for you. Number two, God supernaturally awakens him and say, yo, this is the woman. Uh, he may not know right yet because God don't always deliver things deliver things at it's grandiose what he does he's delivered at a level where you can understand he may not say that's your wife he may just say you know what just keep an eye on this and that man is going to stay on his face before god and trust god to lead him to the right opportunity to pursue you at that time that man is going to pursue you with god with 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 god's grace and with god's honor in his heart and you'll know yourself just like that that tent that i said was on you when he saw you, you would recognize him. But anytime he recognized that, 
Make sure you take it to God, because if you take it to yourself, you're going to try to consume it of yourself. But the quicker you go after something proves how how unsettled you are in the presence of God. Because like I said before, when God is the greatest in your life, it's hard to budge after anything. You may want it. You may be like, God, but why? But God, but you're going to be like, but God, you the greatest, though. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So examine your heart. So what are the stages of a man's pursuit? I think I covered that. Does he observe you? Yes, he observes. A man of God becomes is a strategic man. He's not a zealous man. He's a, His zeal is backed by wisdom. A man is not going to pursue you recklessly. A man's not going to pursue you when, he don't, when his work is undone. A man's not going to pursue you if he knows that he can't keep you. Um, um, men have to understand that there's maintenance that comes with marriage. There's maintenance. There's a maintenance fee. Hope y'all know that. Um, there's maintenance fee and, and it's and it's more than just provision. Uh, a man is not going to pursue you until he knows for a fact that he to handle the maintenance uh, of his woman uh, when he's able to handle what it means. Like people understand being a husband is no joke. Being a husband, you are held responsible for the feelings and the spiritual, uh, not spiritual guidance, spiritual washing, the leadership. Um, and then when you bring kids involved and then you start bringing communities involved and you start growing in leadership, you're held responsible. Husbandhood is not easy, but it's great. It's, it becomes it becomes uh, doable through the help of the Holy Ghost. So, fellas, don't rush to be no husband because there's a lot of responsibility. You you got to make sure you're responsible in mind. You can't just look at every, every woman anymore. You can't you can't engage in that type of fantasy and in that type of world because you got to be faithful in mind, body and spirit. You can't even be a spiritual adulteress. You see what I'm saying? And so adulterer. So there's a lot of layers to that, man. And pe- and, and ladies, you just got to be honest with yourself and say, yo, I'm just not ready. And 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 is God the greatest to me? Because if he's not, I'm going to be easily moved. Um, so a man does observe, um, but he doesn't observe you more than he observes God. Um, a man is not going to leave his service to God to waste his time observing you. It is in his service in God that he observes you because God brought you in the midst of him serving God and uh, serving God doesn't mean, oh, I've met him in church. He's serving. No, we talking about as he's serving God, as you serving God, y'all end up at the altar. That's how it is. As y'all both focus on God, it's going to go from y'all being this far apart from you being in Alaska and him being in Argentina or you being in, in Fort Worth, Texas and you being in Tulsa, Oklahoma. As you serving God, God supernaturally brings y'all to the altar like this and y'all look back being like God was faithful. Hope to help. But that's my last question. Y'all. I got to go. I went 41 minutes longer than I was expected. Thank y'all so much for watching. Like the video, share it. Timestamps below at the, well, if you're watching at this point, um, no need for you to know where the timestamps are. Um, but thank y'all so much for watching, for listening. Uh, thank y'all so much for liking the video, for subscribing. The channel has been growing. Thank y'all so much. Uh, we've been um, reaching a lot of people. If you want to join my the Purpose of Singleness uh, course, it's free. Go to lifework.teachable.com. Get into the course. Um, video this Thursday, we're going to be talking about how to discover, develop, and distribute your purpose. I was going to do a part two to Are You Holy Full of Holes, but I felt like that, 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 that chapter was closed. And I felt God leading me to helping you find your purpose because purpose is important. Purpose is important when it comes to the latter stages of your purpose. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so I'm excited about Thursday. I'll probably do another live Q&A tomorrow. 
Lord willing. But I'll definitely see y'all Thursday at 7.30. Um, if you want to learn any more about me, go to my website, IamUnplugged.com. Everything you want to know about me is there. I got six books, um, three courses, uh, two card games. Um, if you want me to come to your city, come to your church, I'm in that, I'm in that uh, step, uh, season of my life where I'm uh, Lord willing, available to travel and, and speak at your church, college or whatever. So if you want to book me, let's talk. Uh, all that good stuff. Love y'all. If y'all want to give the support, our mentoring program starts in February. Or if you just want to give the support what I do and, and you just feel the unction of the Holy Ghost to support, we'll, we'll welcome it. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Gotta go. Pump this iron. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Love you.